సహనావదు సహనౌనస్సు సహ వీర్యంకరవాహై తేజస్వినవధీతమస్తు మా విద్వషావహై శంకరాచార్యం కేశవం బాదరాయణం సూత్రభాష్యకృతౌ వందే భగవంతౌ పునఃపునఃశ్వరో గురురాత్మేది మూర్తిభేద విభాగినే వ్యోమవ్యాప్తేహాయ దక్షిణామూర్తయే నమః So during this week, we will study the 8th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. It is a very interesting chapter, different from other chapters. That here, Lord Krishna talks about, Arjuna asks this question, about what happens at the time of death. Is it possible that one can remain abiding in God even at the time of death or how to remain abiding in God even at the time of death <coughs> as we will discuss so this is a very important question and a good part of the 8th chapter is devoted to replying this question thereby Lord Krishna teaches us Of course, the reason why death is being discussed is not so much because you are interested in the life after death and whatever, but death tells us how to live this life. And so, we will see how Lord Krishna teaches how we should live the life in order that the death can be an experience which does not separate me from my goal or does not separate me from God. God means something which is most desirable to me. And this we've been discussing, what is most desirable for me will be evident from whatever activities we are doing. And we can see, constantly I'm always trying to become free from something. And either you can say I'm trying to accomplish something. Every desires keep arising in my mind. And these desires are to achieve something, accomplish something and actually accomplish something that I am not at present or I do not have at present. And so we can look upon our life as a series of accomplishments. <coughs> Accomplishing what I do not have, fulfilling various desires that arise in me and as a result of which effort I keep on accomplishing, achieving things that I do not have. And thus In course of this lifetime, I have accomplished lot, everybody has accomplished lots of things. <coughs> so, one way of looking at our life is that it is a life of accomplishment. Then we are trying to accomplish something. <coughs> Another way of looking at it also, that it is a life of getting away from something. <coughs> Either I am getting, I am trying to get to something, or you can say, I am trying to get away from something. 
सुख प्राप्ति दुख निवृत्ति आदर वन कैन से दैट और वी कैन से बोथ दैट एवरी लिविंग बींग इज कॉन्स्टेंटली ट्राइंग टू टू अचीव हैपीनेस एंड अवॉइड अनहैपीनेस सुख प्राप्ति अटेनमेंट ऑफ सुख और हैप्पीनेस दुख निवृत्ति अवॉइडिंग और गेटिंग अवे फ्रॉम दुख सुख प्राप्ति अटेनमेंट ऑफ हैप्पीनेस बिकॉज आई हैव कंक्लूडेड दैट हैप्पीनेस इज एल्सवेयर हैप्पीनेस इज समथिंग अवे फ्रॉम मी बिकॉज दैट इज अ कंक्लूजन दैट आई एम नॉट हैप्पी एंड दैट इज वाई वट एवर प्रोमिसेस मी टू बी अ सोर्स ऑफ हैप्पीनेस दैट बिकम्स एन ऑब्जेक्ट ऑफ माई डिजायर एंड दैट्स हाउ दिस डिजायर्स अराइज द डिजायर्स अराइज ऑन अकाउंट ऑफ माई कंक्लूजन दैट वॉट आई एम सीकिंग इज समवेयर एल्स इज अवे फ्रॉम मी आउट देयर separated from me in time and place and therefore i must bridge that gap of time or i must bridge the gap of place or bridge the gap of conditions to attain that happiness which i want <coughs> or another way of looking at our life also is as i said that we are trying to get away from something and avoid something there are certain things that i cannot stand i cannot stand ignorance i cannot stand unhappiness I cannot stand death or mortality. And so whenever there is a prospect of death or prospect of anything that even bring an indication of death, like old age, like disease, so anything that seems to even give an indication of death, I want to avoid. <coughs> Unhappiness or pain is something I want to avoid. Ignorance or jadata, inertness, is that which I am always trying to avoid. <coughs> I don't like inertness. I like life. I do not like ignorance. I like knowledge. I do not look like unhappiness. I like happiness. And it is not for no reason that this is what I like. It's not for no reason that I have natural love for knowledge, natural love for life, natural love for happiness, natural love for immortality. It's not for no reason. there is a valid reason why i i have a natural love for these things the natural love for immortality is because the self happens to be immortal natural love for happiness is because the self happens to be happy natural love for life is because the self is life is is full of you know is lively or is conscious natural love for immortality because the self is of the nature of immortality and this is what the scripture says that the love for the self is something inborn something very natural and sage says yagnivalkya in the brahmanika upanishad that whatever a person likes he or she likes because basically there is a liking for the self so this is this shows my love for happiness my love for life my love for consciousness my love for knowledge my love for immortality in fact shows the love for the self <coughs> in one natural unconditional under any condition at any time place and condition these things i always love it may not always be clear to me that i love myself but very often i feel that i don't like myself that is also true in one way we always keep saying that everybody is dissatisfied with themselves and therefore they do not like themselves and therefore they always want to change so it is also true that looking at it one way it looks as though i do not like myself very often i try to avoid myself getting away from myself there also seems to be true at the same time it is also true that i always love myself both are true 
How can these two contradictory things be true about myself? That on one hand I always love myself, at the same time I say that I do not like myself. How can both of these true simultaneously? But they are true. In what sense are true? That I love myself as I really am, and I do not like myself as I think I am. That's all. <clears throat> I love myself as I really am. What am I really am? What am I really? As I said, of the nature of happiness, nature of consciousness, nature of life, nature of knowledge, nature of immortality. This is the nature of the self and I have a natural love for these things. I do not know that these are the attributes or these are the characteristics of the self and that I do not associate them with myself. I always associate these things with something else. I feel that happiness is something. I see happiness in some, some being or something other than myself. I see knowledge also everything away from myself in something else. And therefore, love for these things is not equated to love for myself. But in fact, that is a love for myself. So there is a natural, unconditional love for myself as I really am. At the same time, there is a dissatisfaction of myself with which self, the self that I take myself to be. Surprisingly enough, what do I take myself to be? Even though immortality is my nature, I take myself to be a mortal being. Even though consciousness is our nature, I take myself very often to be an inert being or an ignorant being. Even though happiness is my nature, I somehow take myself to be an unhappy being. Even though wholeness or completeness is my nature, for whatever reason, I take myself to be a small, incomplete being. Why is it so? I don't know, but this is what it is. What's so how does Vedanta explain the reason? Ignorance. So this they explain, ignorance can do this. A peculiar kind of ignorance, which not only conceals or veils what I truly am, but creates in its place a notion or a delusion of what I am not. Understand the ignorance that Vedanta talks about is a very peculiar kind of ignorance. Not the ignorance that we normally know, we know ignorance as the absence of knowledge, just not knowing something. So when I say I'm ignorant of French language, which I just don't know French language. I can't even differentiate whether it's a French language, a German or some other language, how something is going on. I don't know what it is. And so, that is that I just don't know that. But here the ignorance that we are talking about is not merely not knowing, but knowing it wrongly. That is what is dangerous. Just mere not knowing very often does not matter. Many millions of things we do not know. In fact, most of the things we do not know. We know quite a few things, but still there are very few in the whole scheme of things. And most of the things we do not know, it doesn't matter. Then there are black holes. I don't know. It doesn't matter. At the most, I know black hole is just as a name. You know, I keep on hearing in the classes and sometimes in newspapers and books and so forth. I don't know anything about it. Or I may know a little bit about it, but that's, you know, our knowledge is insignificant. And so, in fact, what I do not know is just infinite. doesn't bother me. So, generally speaking, the ignorance as merely absence of knowledge is not so uh, 
it is not not so difficult or not so detrimental to me but knowing a thing as contrary to what it is can create a lot of problems in fact most i said all the problems in our life are created because we take things to be different from what they are you estimate of things i think that this person is like that and this is how i relate to that person and then find out something else i think that this thing is like this and therefore i acquired it and i want to experience it and then i find it to be something else this is so with everything i think that this is a snake and i treat it as a snake and i relate to it as a snake and then it turns out it's a rope no this is not knowing the rope is rope and taking the rope as a snake <coughs> not knowing the person for what the person is and taking it to be quite different from what the person really is sometimes you don't know the you know when you are traveling the mountains and forests and sometimes you don't know certain vegetation and certain fruits and something looks very tempting you know and you, that fruit may turn out to be poisonous looks very tempting in fact this really happened that uh, some of our people acquainted to us were traveling in the himalayas and they stayed overnight in one place and next morning uh, early morning one of these persons just went out you see in india they use a, a, a toothbrush which is a uh, you know from a neem tree or from some of these uh, trees they take a little uh, twig you know cut a small piece and then use it and then they chew it so you get a little brush with that you brush the teeth so this person goes out in the early morning and finds maybe a tree or something like that you know and he, he cut a little uh, thin you know branch from it and chewed it and used it as a brush and you know what happened he lost all his teeth all of them right away thus you think that a thing is of a given nature and turns out to be quite contrary to that it can be opposite also of course uh, what i take to a piece of glass turns out to be a diamond even that also can happen but unfortunately what happens is i think it's a piece of glass and i ignore it i throw it away it turns out to be a diamond and i throw away something very precious and i think that this is a rope and i try to pick it up and it turns out to be a snake so these kind of examples are given to bring to our attention a phenomenon that there are there is this phenomenon that we do not know a thing for what it is and that we take it to be quite contrary from what it really is and how that is a problem imagine there is a snake there and i think it's a rope and i pick it up what will happen calamity and similarly there's a lot of things we look very innocent and we pick them in our life and then lot of lot of pain and calamity happen and also a lot of precious things because we do not recognize their value we just ignore them throw them away also and thus we are deprived of uh, many things which you know we could have benefited from this there is something called ignorance in our life which we know very well everyone is born totally ignorant but there is this kind of ignorance not knowing so this ignorance is said to be in two state uh, two uh, steps or has two aspects one aspect is that it, i do not know the nature of the thing and second aspect is i take it to be 
different from what it is. In Vedanta, the first will be called veiling. That the true nature of something is veiled from me. A rope, the true nature of the rope is veiled from me and therefore I do not know that object is rope. That's okay. The second aspect is that there is a projection of snake which is not there. The veiling and projecting. In Sanskrit, avarana and vikshepa. Or in English, veiling and projection. What is veiling? I do not know the rope as a rope. That means that the true nature of the object is veiled from me. And second part is that I take the object as a snake, which means that I project a snake there. This is called projection. It is this ignorance that we are talking about. About life in general. And thus I draw all kinds of conclusions. I do not know the true nature of a thing, but it is the nature of my intellect to always make judgments. So, we have two faculties, one is called manas, another is called buddhi. The manas is the, the mind, sometimes it is translated as, is a, a feeling faculty, which means I, I experience feelings. And buddhi, the intellect, is the knowing <coughs> faculty, the judging faculty, with which I know, with which I judge. And it is the nature of my intellect, always to have conclusion about things. Everybody's opinion, I must have opinion about everything. Everybody should have opinion about everything. Sometimes Swami says, this man, you know, he has opinion, he, he has all knowledge, he has all solution of everything, except nobody asks him, that's all. He knows who should be Prime Minister, who should be Prime Minister, everything he has an answer, except nobody consults him. But everybody has answers. At least we have opinions about things that are important to us in life. Everybody has, without opinion I cannot do anything. It is the nature of intellect to have opinions, to have conclusions, to have judgments. I have judgments about myself, I have judgments about the world, I have judgments about God, opinions or conclusions about everything, and my life is based, whatever I do or whatever I do not do, is all determined by what my conclusions are about these things. So therefore, that I think that I am, that I do not, I am not satisfied with myself. Because I am a mortal being, I am subject to death and I don't like that. I am not happy with myself because I find myself an unhappy person. I am not happy with myself because I find myself an ignorant person. And therefore, I am not happy with myself, I do not like myself, I am at war with myself. That is also true. Which self? The self that I take myself to be. So what happens there in terms of rope snake or something similar also happens with reference to my own self. So the twofold process of how there the, is a the projection of snake where there is a rope, as I said, the twofold process, one is ignorance of rope and second is projection of snake. The twofold process also happens with reference to myself. Ignorance of the true nature of myself and projection of a false the projection of this false notion. Ignorance of the truth of myself, that I am immortal, that I am a complete being, I am a whole being, that I am nature of knowledge, consciousness, happiness, fullness. I do not know that. On the other hand, I take myself to be quite contrary to that, I take myself to be a limited being, 
an ignorant being, a mortal being. And it is that self which I do not like. It's amazing. On one hand, I'm trying to always get away from myself, which I do not like. On the other hand, I'm always trying to reach myself. You know what this conclusion does? This conclusion about myself, that I am an incomplete being, always wants me to... Of course, I cannot stand that incompleteness. I cannot stand ignorance. If I could be happy with myself in an ignorant person, that would be wonderful. Can I stand that? Even when I'm talking to friends, you know, in my own circle and then talk, discussion is going on and my attempt always what? To prove that I know. I can never stand if somebody says, Swami, you don't even know this. I can't, I don't like that. I always must pose myself as a, or prove myself to be a knowledgeable person because in nature, love for knowledge and an aversion for ignorance. An aversion for ignorant I. And so, uh, so I think that knowledge is elsewhere, that happiness is out there, that immortality is out there, all of this is out there, and therefore I am always in search of those things out there. This is called samsara. This is, this is samsara meaning all the time struggling and striving to search for something where it is not. And that happens because I first of all ignore where it is. And thus, as I said, all that I am seeking is my own self and not knowing that I run out and search for it and my attempts are never successful and thus this process of struggle goes on forever. From the time beginningless, this is what they call samsara. And what does this struggle do? compels me to take one after the other birth. I took this birth in an agenda that I must get, I must achieve what I am searching for. If that search is not complete during this lifetime, then I am not going to stop there. I will continue with another lifetime, another embodiment, and that is how one after the other embodiments are taken. This is how Vedanta looks at the life, a continuous process of seeking, searching. So, human being is a seeker. Seeker of what? Seeker of moksha, seeker of freedom. Freedom from that mortality, freedom from ignorance, freedom from unhappiness. So this either we can look upon our life as an achievement of something or we can also look upon our life as a constant attempt to become free from something. Free from the self that is unhappy, free from a self that is found immortal, free from a self that is incomplete. So each one of us is a seeker of freedom. The freedom is called moksha. That's all that word moksha means simply. It is derived from the root much, which is in the sense of release. So moksha means release from all sense of bondage and limitation. <coughs> each one of us is a mumukshu, desirous of moksha. And this is what Lord Krishna talked about towards the end of the seventh chapter. As I said, we are going to take up the study of the 8th chapter and 8th chapter necessarily is a bearing upon the 7th chapter, particularly the concluding verses of the 7th chapter, where, because we see that the 8th chapter begins with a number of questions from Arjuna. If Arjuna did not ask those questions, the Gita would have stopped there itself. 
But Arjuna asked the question. The reason is, very often, when Lord Krishna concludes a given chapter, right in that conclusion there is a seed for the question. You know, that is how it happens. You make a statement, explain something, but it still raises another question. You explain that, that raises yet another question. And similarly also, Lord Krishna explained a lot of things in the seventh chapter. In the conclusions, Lord Krishna made certain statements which raised all these questions in the mind of Arjuna. And that's how the eighth chapter began. Jara Marana Mokshaya Lord Krishna says that the person who seeks Mokshaya for Moksha, for liberation, from what? Jara Marana Mokshaya. These are the verses of the seventh chapter. A person who wants to be free or liberated from this jara, this old age and marana, the death. And who doesn't want? So this is a representation. That here, Arjuna, if you want to become free, which you are, which you are seeking anyway, not that you want to become free. You want to become free from old age and death. And death also signifies ignorance, also signifies unhappiness, that you want to become free from death, you want to become free from ignorance, you want to become free from unhappiness, you want to become free from a sense of limitation or smallness. How should you go about doing that? Jara marana mokshaya maam ashritya yatantiye. Lord Krishna said two things there. Ye yatanti, those people who strive, maam ashritya, taking refuge in me or taking resort of me, seeking my help. So Lord Krishna said two things in the seventh chapter and in many other places also, that we take ashraya, we take refuge or we seek help of Lord. But Lord Krishna does not want that we ourselves should become, we should be resigned just because I have now taken help of the Lord. That's what happens in, to people in India sometimes. Oh, I have surrendered myself to God. God will do everything. But God says, no, I will do something provided you do something also. So certainly we require help from Lord, there is no question about it. And of course we should also seek help from the one that is capable of giving help. You must always take resort or almost take support from someone who is strong and superior. If you seek help from the one who is weak then, you know, or inferior, then perhaps it can lead to uh, a lot of problems. See there are examples in scriptures. Everybody is familiar with Ramayana and the conditions in which Lord Rama had to go to forest. He had to give up his kingdom and go to forest. How did it happen? Supposedly his father had promised Kaikei, his wife and Rama's stepmother and had given him two, given her two boons. How did this Kaikei ask of these boons of her husband Dasaratha or the father of Rama? that I want that my son Bharata should get the kingdom and that Rama should go be sent to forest, abandoned to forest for fourteen years. What made Kaikai ask this kind of, uh, seek this kind of uh, boons from the Sharatha? Because she was advised by her maid servant. Kaikai is queen and she took the refuge of her maid servant. And what will that, little, that poor one will advise her? 
So when we seek advice, when we seek support, we must make sure that the advice and support is sought from the people who are right people. <coughs> Otherwise, like K.K. the Queen seeking advice and support of his maidservant. Who told her that, do you realize what will happen if Rama becomes king? You know what will happen to the son Dasaratha? He will be, Rama will destroy him and so forth and so on. So idea is that when we take support in our life, when we seek help, that is when we take refuge or ashraya, it must always be taken from the one that is capable of giving that. That is why Lord Krishna says, Mam Ashraya. All your efforts in life must be made by taking ashraya or refuge or support of me. So seeking help from Lord, surrendering to Him. Yadantye and those people doing that at the same time make also their own effort. They also strive hard. Meaning thereby that my effort alone are not enough and merely seeking help of God also is not enough. But there must be a, a judicious combination of both. If I just make effort of myself, from myself, that shows an arrogance on my part that I can achieve that. And if I simply depend upon God, then it shows a laziness on my part that, you know, He will do, that I am not willing to exert. And so, a judicious combination of self-effort as well as seeking help from God. Jara Marana Mokshaya For release or liberation from this death, unhappiness, ignorance, limitation, bondage. Here, Arjuna, you must strive this way. What will happen? Here, Arjuna, you will gain that freedom and you will gain the knowledge. You will get all the knowledge. What kind of knowledge will I gain? So, they will know Brahma in its entirety. They will know the self in its entirety. They will know the whole scheme of the order of the creation. Sadhi Bhuta Man, Sadhi Yajnam They will know all the elemental creation. They will also know all the divine creation. All of this they will know. Meaning that they will know that all of these is nothing but the expression of that one principle, of that one truth. They will be able to recognize Brahman, they will be able to recognize God in all these expressions. So this is how, and prayer, and that means they will know me, and they will know me everywhere, as everything, and they will know me as their own self also. They will know the elemental creation also as expression of me. They will know the divine creation also as expression of me. They will know the self also as expression of me. They will know the karma, the scheme of things also as expression of me. They will know it, in, you know, this is their knowledge, this is what they will know, which means that they will know me in all my dimensions. But God, what will happen at the time of death? So now I am with God. When I am alive, what happens at the time of death and after death? Prayana kale pichamam deviduhu yukta chetasaha. Even at the time of death also, those, the same people, whose mind or the knowledge abides in me, even at the time of the death also, they will know me. They will be with me. In short, they will not be separated from me, even by death. This is what, this is how Lord Krishna concluded the seventh chapter. <coughs>
And these just words were used. Arjuna had never heard these words. What is Adhiyajna? What is Adhibhuta? Adhidaiva? All of these Brahman, all of these words were used by Lord Krishna that one will know all of this. That means one will know all these various expressions of mind. And this is how Lord Krishna concluded the seventh discourse or seventh chapter. So this is where the seed of the questions are, or seed of the questions is. This very statement of Lord Krishna at the end of seventh chapter, when for example lecture we are told that all right, all of this you will know. You will know Adhi Agnya. Then so what is Adhi Agnya? You know Adhi Bhuta, what is Adhi Bhuta? You know Adhidaiva, what is Adhidaiva? You never heard of this. I mean, what are those things? And that's how these words were used by Lord Krishna. Without giving any explanation, the seventh chapter was concluded and therefore this statement naturally raised a number of questions in the mind of Arjuna and therefore the eighth chapter begins with these questions from Arjuna. So, let us... uh, Read the first verse of the eighth chapter. So here the text is given in Devanagari script. It is then given in the English transliteration. And then we have the word meaning. And then we have the translation. Everything is given this time. <coughs> Arjuna Uvacha Arjuna Uvacha किम तद् ब्रह्म के मध्यात्मम् किम तद् ब्रह्म के मध्यात्मम् किं कर्म पुरुषोत्तम् किं कर्म पुरुषोत्तम् अधिभूतम् च किं प्रोक्तम् अधिभूतम् च किं प्रोक्तम् अधिदैवम् किमुच्यते अधिदैवम् किमुच्यते अधियज्ञः कथम् कोत्र Adhiyajnyakasam kotra Dehesmin madhusudana Dehesmin madhusudana Prayanakale chakatham Prayanakale chakatham Nyeyosiniyatatma vihi Nyeyosiniyatatma vihi Arjuna, Vacha, Arjuna, say as I said, the reason is because these questions naturally arose in his mind because of the statements that Lord Krishna made at the conclusion of the seventh chapter. Kim tad Brahma? What is that Brahman? Lord, you said that this wise person knows Brahman is entirely. What is that Brahman? Kim Adhyatmam? Adhyatma. Atma means the self. Adhi shows the location. Adhyatma, that which is related to self or that which abides in the self, pertaining to self. So what is that? What is centered? So Adhyatma, what is that is Adhyatma or centered on the self? In short, what is the nature of the Adhyatma? What is the nature of the Atma? So what is that Brahman, Lord, that you talked about? What is Atma, the self that you talked about? Kim Karma, what is Karma? What is it that you mean by karma? <coughs> Purushottama. So Arjuna addresses Lord Krishna as Purushottama. In the 15th chapter we chant 
then there are different kind of purushottama purushottama means purusha purusha means person uttama means the the most exalted purushottama the most exalted person that means there are inferior person also persons also so lord krishna says in the sub 15 chapter then there are two persons dwavimau purusho loke sharas chakshrayavacha in lord krishna says there is one person which is perishable another person that is imperishable and there is a third one that is beyond both perishable and imperishable this is called purushottama <coughs> in short arjuna refers to him as purushottama lord you know if purushottama means one that is that is even the basis of both the perishable and the imperishable meaning that you know the perishable creation also you know the imperishable cause also you are all knowing so sometimes there is a reason why a particular name is used because arjuna is asking this questions of which answer nobody would have other than lord himself because he is all knowing so i know that you know everything about the elements you know everything about the divine forces you know everything about the self you know everything about everything and that's the reason why i can ask you this question hey purushottama what is that brahman what is that adhyatma all centered on the self what is that karma or the action then second line says adibhutam ja kim proktam what is it that is centered upon bhuta bhuta means element adibhuta centered on elements see adhyatma atma means the self adhyatma centered on the self adhi adhis is a prefix which refers to location is an indeclinable here and it refers to the location adhi plus atma adhyatma that means centered on atma centered on self adibhuta bhuta means element adibhuta centered upon the elements these elements five elements space and air and fire and water and earth adhi daivasi adhi word is used everywhere in sense of location adhit daiva daiva means divine so divine forces what we call the various gods or what we call the various cosmic forces which are who are supposed to uh, control all the the cosmic phenomena and so they observe various cosmic phenomena and they assign a divinity towards a for every phenomenon thus there is a principle of light and there is a principle of heat and there is a principle of nourishment there is a principle all these principles are there and there is a, a there is a divinity associated with the earth so there is a divinity associated with earth the principle of nourishment with sun the principle of light with fire the principle of heat whatever these are called gods you can call them cosmic forces when as much as the vedas looks upon the whole universe as god therefore all the cosmic forces are also nothing but various gods so adhideva what is meant by adhideva what is that principle that is centered upon the gods or devatas the cosmic forces what is the principle that is centered upon the bhuta the elements what is the principle that is centered upon atma the self and what is brahma these four questions are asked in the first verse <coughs> For the simple reason that all these words were used by Lord Krishna towards the conclusion of the seventh chapter, and the questions are continued again in the second verse. Adhi yadnya kasam kotra again adhi. Adhi means centered on, found or located, located at. Adhi yadnya. So yadnya, you know, yadnya means yadnya means various the Vedic rituals. 
the yajna. What is that principle that is centered upon the yajna? Yajna means a sacrificial ritual. So what is that principle centered upon the yajna? The yajna. Katham, Kotra, Kahatra. How and who is that which is Adhiyajnaha, Dehesmin in this body? Oh Lord, in this body, what is Adhiyajnaha? Meaning, what is the principle that controls the yajna? You can put it this way. What is that principle that controls the elements? What's the principle that even controls or pervades in all the gods? What is the principle that controls or pervades in the yajna performed in this body? What is the principle that manifests as my own self? What is that which is called Brahma? And the second line of the second verse is Prayana Kale Chakatham. Prayana Kale, at the time of death. Prayana means death. Kala means time. Prayana Kale, at the time of death. Katham Gnehasi, Katham, how? Gnehasi, how are you known? Niyatatma Bhi by those whose minds are steady. In short, Lord, at the time of death, how to keep my mind steady so that I can abide in your knowledge? That we everybody knows that death is a very painful process. And generally speaking, nobody is conscious at the time of death. Or even if one is conscious, there is such a tremendous struggle going on in order to just retain the life that nobody remembers anything at that time. So, when in the time of death there is a tremendous painful struggle going on when nobody remembers anything, how is it possible that there are those yogis who remember you? What, what is it? What have they done? Or what to do in order not to lose your remembrance even at the time of death? Prayana kale chakatham neyosi niyatatmahi See, niyatatmahi are those whose minds are steady. How are you to be known even in a time of death? This Arjuna is asking as many as <coughs> seven questions. Kim tad brahma, kim tad adhyatmam, adhibhutam kim proktam, adhidaivam kim uchyade, adhiyajnah katham kotra. Six questions, prayana kale katham. These six questions are asked by Arjuna here. <coughs> Some people take it as two questions, katham and kotra and make it seven. Okay. No, and Kim Karma, seven, right. So, Brahma and Kale, seven questions are asked by Arjuna here. <coughs> and then, Lord proceeds to reply these questions in the same sequence in which they have been asked by Arjuna. <coughs> so, let us read the third verse. Shri Bhagavan Vacha Aksharam Brahma Paramam Aksharam Brahma Paramam Svabhava Dhyatma Muchyade Svabhava Dhyatma Muchyade Bhuta Bhavod Bhavakaraha Bhuta Bhavod Bhavakaraha Visargah Karma Sangitaha Arjuna's first question, Kim Tad Brahma, what is that Brahma? Lord Krishna's reply, Aksharam Brahma Paramam. Here Arjuna, Brahman is Paramam. 
परमम लिमिटलेस अक्षरम अक्षरम दैट विच डज नॉट डिक्लाइन सी दर्ड मीनिंग ब्रह्मण इज अक्षरम दैट विच डज नॉट डिक्लाइन परमम लिमिटलेस इन शॉर्ट ब्रह्म इज दैट विच इज लिमिटलेस एंड विच डज नॉट डिक्लाइन विच डज नॉट सफर एनी चेंज विच डज नॉट सफर डिस्ट्रक्शन दैट विच इज इम्पेरिशेबल और इनडिस्ट्रक्टेबल परमा वॉट इज परमा परमा इज लिमिटलेस थ्री फोर लिमिटेशन वी नो ईच वन एक्सपीरियंस इज थ्री फोर लिमिटेशन लिमिटेशन ऑफ टाइम लिमिटेशन ऑफ प्लेस एंड लिमिटेशन ऑफ दिशेष और दूट्स द पॉइंट इज लिमिटेशन ऑफ टाइम so i find myself and everything that is there in the creation as limited by time because whatever there is has a beginning everything is born at some point in time and anything that is born also is going to ultimately perish and therefore everything that exists that we know is subject to limitation of time we also know that everything is suffers from or everything is subject to limitation of space that a thing can be in one place and not in another place is to know swamini how about space everything is limited in space how about space itself that's not limited in space isn't that right no is space limited in any way let you know hmm time and space time is not limited in time you say that everything is limited in time that i you and everything that is born is limited in time but how about time that is not limited in time and every object is limited in space so limited in time meaning that a thing exists in one time frame and not in another limited in space means a thing exists in one place and not in another and limited in attributes means a thing possesses certain kinds of attributes and not other kinds of attributes but is time limited is space limited they are also limited because there is a, that we have every day an experience of a state where even time and space also do not have an entry what is that, what is that experience there is experience of deep sleep when we are profoundly asleep at that time there is no awareness of time and there is no awareness of space at all is it not so See, i don't know i just i went to sleep last night no sooner my head touched the pillow I was asleep, and next morning I wake up. I thought I had just gone to sleep. I didn't know six hours passed. I was not aware of where I was sleeping, how long I slept, and I also was not aware of any of my attributes also. So th- in that sense, it is said that even time also is limited, because there is a state where the time doesn't have an existence or entry. There is a state where the place also does not have an entry. There is a state where all the attributes also do not have an entry. in that sense time space everything is limited uh, and a third limitation that we have or everything has is limitation of attributes that this flower is a flower fine it possesses certain attributes but the flower is not a book so flower only has flowerness it does not have bookness book has bookness does not have clockness clock has clockness does not have the humanness human being is a humanness doesn't have birdness meaning that all the attributes enjoyed by the birds are not enjoyed by me i cannot fly attributes enjoyed by fish are not enjoyed by me 
and thus if we feel these limitations also not that these are merely academic things we are keenly aware of the limitations aren't we we are keenly aware of limitation of time as I said we know that there is going to be some day this is going to come to an end I know that and there is always the back of my mind is idea of mortality that is there I may not be consciously thinking about it it is always there and it seems to govern lots of things that I do so taking walk on the back road always watching out although there are few vehicles that is the first reason why we go there anyway if there are many vehicles flying on that road we would not even go there there are a few vehicles. You come across in a one-hour walk, perhaps half a dozen vehicles, you know. But still, always, the ears are always tuned to any kind of a sound coming from behind, a car is coming, or coming from, you know, ahead of you, and always ready. So, come car coming ahead of you, you immediately move on the side of the road, and whatever. So, idea is that, that idea of mortality, that my being subject to death is always there. And limitation of space, of course, we feel always. I wish Swamiji I was in more than two places. I'm sorry I could not come there to that part at that time because I had to go to this place. I wish that I could be in both the places at the same time. <coughs> and of course we feel the limitation of the attributes. Then, oh, I cannot. Swamiji, do you know swimming? I don't know. I wish I was a fish, you know. Then swimming would have been no problem. Have you ever had a ride in, in, in have you fallen from the sky and perished? Never. I wish I was a bird and I could do that. Idea is that there is a keen sense of awareness of limitation of attributes. Thus there are limitations of time, space and attributes. What is called parama? What is meant by parama? That's called limitless. That which is free from each one of these limitations. So parama, limitless is that which is not limited in time not limited in space, not limited in any attributes. If something is not limited in time, what would it mean? That it should be there in all the time, isn't it? What is meant by not limited in time, meaning that it must be there at all the times. But something can be there at all the times, when it is there, even when time is not. For something to be there in all the times, it should also be there when the time is not. For something to be there in all the places, it must be there where the place is not. And for something to be there in all the attributes, it must be there where the attributes are not. Because that is why when we talk of limitless, people try to imagine when they try to they meditate upon infinity or limitless, then the mind imagines all time. For all space it tries to imagine or visualize, but your mind cannot. So therefore when, when it is said that Brahman is limitless, pervades all time, pervades all places, pervades all attributes, that means, that means it is there where the time is, it is there where the space is, it is there where any attribute is. But such a thing is possible only when it is there even when the time is not, even when the space is not, even when the attributes are not. That means that, that which in its true nature is something that is beyond time, beyond space, beyond attributes. Is it not so like an actor, as we say, when an actor takes variety of roles, he now becomes a beggar, then becomes a king, and then different roles he takes. That means he pervades every role. But when can he, when can he be a beggar also, and a king also, and a minister also, and many other things also? When can it be? Only when he is not any of them also. 
Then alone he can be now a beggar, then a king, and then something else. That is because he is inherently free from all each one of them also. So understand that that which is all pervasive must necessarily that which also is beyond that. See, water which does not have any form alone can take forms. So water, you fill, up, fill water in any container and water assumes the form that container when? Because water itself doesn't have a form. You fill water in any bottle and water appears to be colored, you know, because water itself doesn't have a color. And similarly also that which is in all the times, which is in all the places, which is in all attributes, which is all pervasive, this is what we call immanence. That God is definitely immanent. He is everywhere and everything at every time. Because in his inherently it is free from the time, concept of time, space and attributes. That means, this is why we say it is devoid of all attributes. Or it's, it is that which is not limited by any attribute, not limited by time, not limited by space, not limited by attributes. Now, in the deep sleep state, where there is no time, where there is no place, where there are no attributes, should this Brahman be there or not? Is it there? Brahman is Paramam. Is Brahman there in the state of deep sleep also? It is very much there. Is what? As that which illumines even the experience of deep sleep. We will understand that each one experiences the, each one has an experience of deep sleep. That's the reason why we want to repeat that experience every day or as often as I can. And it's a very pleasurable experience also. It's an experience where I enjoy freedom and that is the reason why my mind always goes for that experience. And every experience must be illumined. So Brahman is a very consciousness that eliminates even the experience of deep sleep. It eliminates the time, it eliminates the space, it eliminates all the <coughs> attributes, it eliminates even the absence of time, the absence of space, the absence of attributes. That's called Paramam. Paramam means that which is limitless, not limited by time, space or attributes. So what is Brahman? Lord Krishna says, Aksharam Brahma Paramam. Brahma is Aksharam. Those who know a little bit of Sanskrit know that Akshara means a letter. Akshara. Ka, kha, ga, a, b, c. These are called also Akshara, letter. But that's not what is meant here. Akshara. So, a and kshara, a here is in the sense of negative, it's a nai or negative particle. Naksharati iti aksharam. So that which is not subject to kshara, that which is not subject to decline, that is not subject to decay, that is not subject to being perished, aksharam means that which is imperishable. <coughs> also, akshara, another meaning of the word akshara is given. So one way of looking at the word akshara is a and kshara. So kshara, from that root the word kshara is derived, meaning kshara is means declining. Akshara, that which is free from this decline or decay, that which is immutable, imperishable. Or what Akshara can we say to be derived from the root, root Ash means to pervade. Ashnodi is the Aksharam. So that which pervades everything is called Aksharam. And so Brahma is both. Brahma is that which is imperishable as well Brahma is that which pervades everything. Pervades the time. Pervades the space, pervades every attribute. Therefore, it is all pervasive. That's why it is called immanent. At the same time, it is immutable. 
imperishable and therefore not limited by this time, space or condition. So this is how Lord Krishna proceeds to answer questions of Arjuna, Aksharam Brahma Paramam. We will continue our discussion on this word Akshara also. Uh, but the point is how this chapter began by questions of Arjuna because there was a seed of these questions in this end of seventh chapter and thus Arjuna shoots out one after the seventh questions and this eighth chapter is answer of Lord Krishna to I mean giving reply to these seven questions of Arjuna except that first six questions are replied quickly the seventh question you know takes the rest of the chapter as we will see <coughs> Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutavande Bhagavanta punah punah Ishvara gururatme de Murti bheda vibhagine Vyoma vadvyapta dehaya Dakshina murtaye namaha Om shanti 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 Hari om shri 